Brad just read from the scriptures that we'll be sharing from this morning. And First uh, Corinthians chapter one, verses four through nine. If you want to open your Bibles and uh, the thing that's going on here, just in the sense of a review, is verses one through three, which we shared last week, uh, tells us uh, who we are in Christ. And I just I need to repeat it one more time because it's so awesome to think about. He says here very clearly, uh, called to be saints together, and uh, the idea of being uh, those sanctified in Jesus Christ, called to be saints together. Sanctified in saints is not normally a word we exchange with each other. We don't turn around and say, uh, "Hello, Saint Robert, how are you today?" You know this type of thing. Uh, some churches try to be, at least in the context of family of God, hello brother or hello sister, but it's the idea that we are sanctified. And the idea of sanctified is to be made holy. God sees this as completed, even though we are in the process of working it out. In fact, we're told to work out our salvation or to work out our sanctification, Paul tells us. And, and so this word sanctified in Christ is just really, really powerful. We are called, according to Romans chapter 12 where Paul writes, we are called to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. This is the process of sanctification. How do we renew our mind? By reading the Word of God. That's the primary source that we have. Through prayer. Reading the Word of God with prayer. And... Uh, this idea of, of also of singing hymns and 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 listening to to the hymns and Christian music, all of these things are uplifting and building up in the faith. We're called to have our minds transformed, renewed, is uh, is another you know the, the other term that Paul used. Transformed, renewed mind, able to know the will of God, what's good, acceptable, and perfect. So, this idea of transformation, this idea of renewing our mind, is to cause us to start thinking different than what the world has trained us to be. And what our flesh desires outside of Christ. We are in a fallen flesh still. And we have desires. And and the idea of coming to Christ and being transformed to the renewing of our mind is to bring our flesh even under control and in service to God. So, all of this is tied together in this idea of sanctification you are saints. Uh, and so, with that, we, we come into this, this thinking, I give thanks. This is Paul writing and, and praying. He says, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. As we go through these verses, you're going to see this, uh, this, thank, this thanking God for all He has done for us. And it's gonna, it includes past, all He's done for us in the past, all He is doing for us now, and all that He is doing for us in the future. Past, present, and future. In the past, well, right here in, verse, in this first verse, verse 4, it says He's given grace. And we've gone over this before, but it's, it's here again, and I don't think it's wrong to go over it again. Grace is un. Merited favor. We don't deserve 
grace. Grace is a gift from God. There is nothing we can do to earn grace. And so in the process, God has given us grace, unmerited favor. He has given us salvation. And we are saved by grace alone. The process of of works, you know, doing the things that God would call us to do to serve, does not earn extra points. And somebody will say, well, then why do we do them? Well, now that's thinking like the the world thinks. But if we have the mind of God, this idea of renewed mind and transformed mind, we do it because we are thanking God with our lives. We're told to offer our lives as a living sacrifice. Okay, And so this idea of, of wanting to show our love for God and our thanks for God, what God has done, we are in the process of living our lives out for Him. And we receive this grace and, and this unmerited favor and we realize this is how God has saved us. He has sanctified us, set us apart. And, and within that framework of that, we are Christ's possession uh, given you in Christ Jesus. We belong to Jesus Christ. He purchased us through the cross He became flesh, became a man, became a servant of men. And in Scripture it says He emptied Himself and became a servant of men in Philippians chapter 2. And and in so doing, gave His life for us. It says He was a servant to men even to the point of the cross. There's a, a conference that we went to a number of years ago and this idea of God's possession is that He is, we, we use the word Lord, and we think of it as something holy and, and this type of thing. But the word Lord is a common word in the Greek language. And the idea of God using this word to describe, you know, Jesus Christ, the Lord. Jesus, the man, Christ, the Messiah, the Lord, okay, is to have an understanding again of this idea of ownership. And if He owns us, we are His servants. In fact, that's even a poor picture. We normally think of servants as somebody maybe serving the food in the house and this type of thing and, and, and doing the, the work of, of, of someone in a wealthy home or whatever. This idea of servant is literally the word slave. He owns us. And we are told in Scripture, uh, well, let's just read this together. In, in the book of Romans, uh, chapter 6, let's see where to start. We'll start with verse 15. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law but under grace? In other words, because of this grace, should we be sinning more and make grace more obvious to everybody? And, and, and Paul's response is, by no means. Uh, that's not the process of sanctification. That's not the process of what God is doing here. That's not the process of transformation. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves 
of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves to sin have become obedient from the heart of the standard of teaching up to which you were committed, and having been sent free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. We were slaves to sin, and now we are slaves of righteousness. We are owned by Christ. When we were slaves to sin, who was our, 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 our Lord, so to speak? Satan. But as we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, believe in our hearts and, and believe in our minds that He is the Christ, the Son of God, raised from the dead. And as we've accepted Him in that capacity as our Savior and received His grace, we look at Him and, and we, we, we are now a slave to Christ and His righteousness. He owns us. I don't know how better I can say it than, than, than this. And I want you to just get a hold of that. So the question is, who do you serve? If you're a slave, you slur, he says you serve who owns you. And if you are a slave to sin and to the things of the world, then, you know, or, or you're a slave, a slave to righteousness in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're a slave to righteousness, you've accepted Christ as your Savior, you are called to be saints. Are we perfect? No. In fact, we realize that as we are still capsuled in our as as a, a saved person, we're still fighting. If Paul puts it in Romans chapter seven, with the flesh. The flesh wants to do all the things that the fallen flesh. We are we have Adam's flesh, so to speak. And because of that, we desire to do things to feed the flesh that are not in harmony with what God would do. So that's this idea of transformation. That's why we need a renewing of our mind, a changing the way we think, and, and, and this idea of being a sin to righteousness instead of a sin to, 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 to uh, sin, a slave to sin, a slave to righteousness. He, tell, he goes on here and, and he says uh, that... Uh, hang on just a second. I want to drop down to verse 6 and, and, and catch verse 5 in a minute. He says, you know, we've been get, you know uh, grace has been given to us by God in Christ Jesus even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you. The testimony is the gospel. That has, he says, it's been confirmed among you. The idea of being confirmed means it is visible. The testimony of Christ is something that is visible in your lifestyle. The transforming of your mind is going, is happening, and as a result, it's become visible. And it's visible to the people around you. They see something that is different in you than is in the rest of the world. Some people don't want to have anything to do with you. 
because you have the name Christ in your in your faith. Some people uh, come to you at interesting times when they are in need of help or counseling or prayer. And and why do they come to you? Because you are a confirmed Christian. It's in your lifestyle. It's seen. It's visible. And so, we have this picture of, of the testimony of Christ living through us, in us. death, burial, and resurrection of Christ is confirmed in us. The Gospel is confirmed in us. By the way, Peter tells us to be prepared to give a testimony to why, when somebody asks, why are you different? Be prepared to give a testimony. It's obvious that the expectation was that the difference was going to be obvious. Not something that's, that's, that's hidden. You know, I, I come to church on Sunday morning and express my faith and then the rest of the week it's, it's zero. That's not what God intended. In fact, He intended us to be vibrant in our faith everywhere we go. To have the Gospel working in us constantly. In verse 5, He says, We've been enriched. We've been enriched in speech and knowledge. This word enriched is an absolutely fascinating word. I, I, got, I got off on a tangent on this in my studying. Uh, it's used in one place as richly furnished. I thought that's an interesting thought about this word. Uh, it, it literally means very wealthy, but you know, wealthy people would possibly be richly furnished you know, in their homes and stuff like that too. And I don't know if you've ever walked into a home that is just amazingly furnished. And, and you look at it and you just know that, that these people have wealth. And it's not necessarily pretentious, but it, you just you see it and you know it and it's obvious. This idea of being enriched is that we have been richly furnished. <laughs> We are very wealthy in our faith in Christ and what He has done for us. We have eternal life. We are joint heirs with Jesus in the kingdom of God. We are extremely wealthy. And we are wealthy right now because we have this. And so, this idea of we are extremely enriched and it comes out as in our speech. And it comes out in the, in the way we express ourselves. We are rich in spirit and we're rich in, in, in speech. We're rich in knowledge. And this knowledge is understanding the difference between good and evil, right and wrong. And as a result, that comes back around and, and, and continues to transform our mind, which changes the way we speak. The mouth reveals the heart. And so, as our heart is changing, our speech is changing. And so, he tells us, you know, Paul sees these people in the Corinthians. As all that is going wrong, as most of you are saying, this is the Corinthian church? Uh, if you've read the book of Corinthians, you're going to you sit here and wonder. But the bottom line is, this is who we all are. And, and so, we are enriched in speech, enriched in knowledge. We're wealthy with, with the things of God. 
Our words reveal the transformation of our mind. The knowledge that we share reveals the difference between right and wrong and how we live our lives. It says that they weren't lacking in any... In verse 7, it says they weren't lacking in any spiritual gifts. So they had the gifts. They had all the gifts. And we get into that in verse 12, or chapter 12, and we, so we're not going to get into it today. Uh, but he says that they, they have all the gifts. And then listen to this. It says, as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. As you wait for the revealing. The word revealing is uh, another way of saying is unveiling of Jesus Christ. It's talking about His second coming. To see Him as He is. Uh, 1 John chapter 3 even talks about there will be that point in time where we will see Him as He is. What an amazing thing to look forward to. And that's what he's saying to the Corinthians. You have all of these things going on. Now, he's using this. He's setting the base work for who they are so he can reprimand them for, for the moving outside of the, the, the parameters of, of, of what a Christian should do. And, and so, but this is the foundation. This was the foundation that was laid in Corinth and it's still there. If you are a believer, this is true about you. You have God's grace. That alone makes you wealthy. The unveiling, the seeing Him as, as He is. And, and then he says, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Of our Lord, our Master, Jesus the Man, Christ the Messiah, the Savior. And again, all of this, this idea of the revealing, looking to the second coming. Are we longing? Really longing? Do we think often about, Lord, come soon? I think the older I get, the, 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 the more it happens. But the reality is, is that I, I find that I, I can go a whole day and not have had it happen in my thoughts of saying, boy, Lord, come soon. Because I get so distracted by all the things going on around me. And so the, the prayer is of this renewing of the mind is, Lord, give me time through the day. Bring your, bring, you know, cause me to think about You. Give me something to see that, that will cause me to say, God, You are an awesome God. At night, looking up and seeing the stars and being amazed because we just sang. He, he put them into place and He knows them by name. Revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 7 to verse 8, who will sustain you to the end. This idea of sustain you is to keep you, to hold you to the end. Guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to hold us to the end guiltless. The word guiltless here is unimpeachable. Nothing can come and throw an accusation at you that will stick. Blameless. Without blame. 
No condemnation. We are covered in God's grace and nothing can separate us from it. In Romans chapter 8, uh, we, we read these verses and, and, and I, it's, they're so powerful. First, verses 14 through 17. For all of you who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Personal, deep relationship with God. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs and heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. We are enriched. We are wealthy in Christ. Verse 31, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against us at God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, He is raised. Who is at the right hand of God who indeed is interceding for us? Who can come against us under, with this kind of, of, of protection against us, with us, so to speak? Who can come against us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We regard as sheep to be slaughtered. But no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are at peace with God through the blood of Jesus Christ and that is it. And it is done. And so as a result, we are seen, as Paul puts it here, guiltless. I, I, it just uh, Again, this amazing picture that he's, he's presenting here is the foundation of who we are. Guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's meaning His second coming. We will... <laughs> I, I, I like this picture. I didn't uh, that was given at some point. He says, are, "Are we going to be dancing on the tabletops or hiding under the tables when Christ returns?" Well, if if we are in Christ and we know that He is coming and the trumpet sounds, we will be on the tabletops. In other words, we'll be we'll be in the in the dance mode, so to speak. We'll be excited. Christ is coming. We're not going to run and hide. We're not going to ask the mountains to fall on us. We're going to be ready to receive Him because He has made us for this purpose. We are His children. We are His brothers and sisters in Christ. He will sustain us, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then it's God is faithful. He's going to do this. You can count on it. He is faithful by whom you were called into fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
God is faithful. He calls you into this fellowship, into this communion, into this family of God, if you will. And, and I think of Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, what He has started in you, He is going to complete. He is going to finish. We are in fellowship with, with our God, our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and He, He is our owner. We are His servants. Literally, His slaves. We are owned by Him through what Christ has done on the cross for us. And what Christ has done on the cross for us is the Gospel message. That is our testimony. The Gospel message. The fact that we can turn and say, I am at peace with God. I am confident that I am at peace with God. And nothing can take that away. And the more we dwell on that, the more I think we want to be the people that God wants us to be here and now so that others will see this, ask about it, and those whose eyes and minds are open to it will come and be saved. They'll confess Jesus with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, raised from the dead. All of this comes through what Christ did on the cross for us. We celebrate it every Sunday together in communion. We celebrate the bread. He literally came in the flesh. He emptied Himself and became flesh. That's when the this idea of the bread, the, the flesh, begins. But He went to the cross on in His flesh. He suffered in the flesh. And He died on the cross. And then we share in the blood. The cup. It says the blood is, the, is where the life is. And the blood is poured out. And so Jesus said, this cup will be a symbol of My blood poured out to purchase the covenant of grace. Who could fight against that? No one. We are so wealthy. We are so blessed. As we share in communion this morning, we have two different uh, trays up here. One has the cup and the juice is the top cup and you take it apart and the second, the bottom one is the bread. And uh, the other one over on the other side here is the packets. And... Uh, Tear off the top and the bread is there and then tear off the second part and the, and the uh, cup is there. So, uh, whichever one you prefer, we ask that you come up and pick them up while we sing our communion song. Let's sing together. God has shown to those who sit in the shadow, the sun on high.
chapter 2 just a moment ago and I'd like to share it with you as we prepare our hearts for communion. Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though He was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied Himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. The Scripture makes it clear. He came in the flesh. He emptied Himself. He became man in order to purchase our salvation. He went to the cross and there He allowed His flesh willingly. Like you know, it says, without complaint, without interference, without He said, I am here to do this. And He allowed Himself to be put on the cross. You know, we're told He could have, with just a word, called thousands of angels to His rescue. But He did this for us. 
And as He paid the penalty for our sins, He did it in the flesh. And He said that this is to remind us of the God who loves us so much that He came and emptied Himself as a man in the flesh. Let's share the bread. Hebrews tells us that the life is in the blood and the blood must be shed to cover sin. But ultimately, it takes a perfect sacrifice. All of the animal sacrifices in the Old Testament leading up to the time of Christ were nothing but a temporary covering to point to what would happen for us on the cross. And at the cross, Jesus died for the sin of all believers. Covered completely. We are guiltless before the throne of God because of what Christ has done. Let us share in the cup. Father, again we come with thanksgiving, saying, Lord, we worship You, we praise You, we thank You for all that You have done for us, all that You are doing for us, all that You are yet to do for us. We look forward to Your unveiling, Your second coming, where we will see You face to face and to see You as You are. Oh, Lord, we long for that day. And until that day comes, cause us, Lord, to grow in You. To love You more as we understand even better, day by day, all that You have done for us. Again, we worship You, we praise You, we thank You. In Jesus' name, Amen. Would you stand as we close, please? Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. Oh, my soul, praise Him for He So wondrously reigneth Shelter thee under his wings Ye so gently sustaineth How thou not seen How all your longings have been Granted in what he ordaineth Praise to the Lord who doth prosper thy work and defend thee. Surely his goodness and mercy here daily attend thee. Ponder on you what the Almighty can do if with his love he be. 
Praise to the Lord, oh, let all that is in be adore Him. All that hath life and breath come now with praises before Him. Let the Amen. Lord bless. Stay in fellowship for a while if you have time. Thank you for being here this morning.